640 Toronto presents Think Tank, the breaking stories you care about. Please, tell me. Okay, I'll tell you. The backstories you don't know yet. That's my question! Facts and opinions that get you through your day. You never know what you're going to get. And now let's meet the guests. All right, honored to have uh, the next guest in our presence. She, former Deputy Mayor, City Councilor of the City of Toronto. She is Anna Bailao. How is Anna this morning? Good morning, Greg. Doing well. Nice nice to have you with us, and always nice to have Mohamed Faki as well. He is the founder of Paramount Fine Foods. Thanks for making time, as always. Thank you very much, Greg. Hi, Anna. How are you? Good morning, Mohamed. Happy to have both of you. Um, In Israel this morning, uh, Rishi Sunak, the UK prime minister, is there. He's met with leaders in Tel Aviv. He's met with the Israeli prime minister. He will meet with uh, representatives of Jordan and Egypt later on today. It's something Joe Biden wasn't able to do yesterday. But I want to start with uh, you, Mohammed, and ask about Prime Minister Trudeau and what he's communicated in the last 12 days since the Hamas massacre that saddened and horrified us all. I just want to know if you think he needs to be out there more. I'm, I'm worried we've got politicians who get criticized for both siding an issue, but there are a lot of sides to this particular issue. Are you not hearing enough from our Canadian leaders with things happening so fast? Well, we did. We did, uh, and uh, rightfully so. We heard a condemnation of killing the civilian in Israel on Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We heard that even on our show, uh, we, we started that show with a statement from Anna last time right. by condemning what happened to the Israel with, with Israeli civilian. Uh, I'm hearing a second voice. I don't know if it's only me. Okay. But, um, yeah, but the bottom line here is we, what we stopped hearing after that is that same moral courage of condemning civilian Israeli dying and killed to use that same consistent moral courage to condemn children and civilian Palestinian killed. And let me be clear here. I'm a humanitarian. I do not understand how is it that a Palestinian child, a Ukrainian child, or an Israeli child are equally precious to all of us. And what is it and why is it our silence for killing any child in the world? Canada and Canadians should always, always advocate for peace. I am going to end my statement about this by saying one thing. I'm so proud to tell you, when I donated to the Quebec City Mosque, the second biggest donation was from a Jewish family. And they came and they stood shoulder to shoulder with the Muslim community. This country is so beautiful. The people of this country are so amazing. We need the politician to help us get united, not divided. And one side is statement is making others and the Palestinian community Mm. and the Muslim community feel that a Palestinian child is not the same as an Israeli child. I invited many Israeli leaders or many Jewish leaders as well for lunch next week because we were having a conversation over text message. Yeah. And I offered them, let's break bread together. I think in our country, we all should break more bread together and hopefully at Paramount. 
<laughs> I like the statement. I like it a lot. And Anna, I just feel like always oh, the case where we have so many more things that unite us than divide us. I know there's there's people that, that are very emotional right now and they have every right to be. And, and the, but the images we see on television, oftentimes, oftentimes, especially around the planet, are, are the extremes. They're not where we meet in the middle and say, oh, OK, we might disagree on this, but I still love you. You're still my sister. You're still my brother. Uh, absolutely. And, and I think Mohammed touched on something that we need to keep in mind. It's to bring our country together and to bring our communities together. And, and you know, the role of our prime minister, the role of our politicians is essential in that. And we need to denounce, uh, Mohammed is right, the attacks that Hasma did, but uh, all the attacks on all civilians, because both Palestinian communities and, and the Palestinians in, in, in Gaza, the civilians, the citizens are suffering. Uh, the Jewish, our Jewish community is suffering, uh, and we we need to focus on the humanitarian need, and we need to pressure our uh, politicians to get that humanitarian aid to civilians in there, to get that humanitarian mm-hmm. corridor in there, um, and at the in our country where we've seen acts of Islamophobia, acts of anti-Semitism increase significantly, we can tolerate that. We need to denounce that. We need to bring our communities together and and uh, um, fight and, and demand uh, humanitarian uh, assistance and come together in our country. Uh, we came here for safety, for peace, for uh, for uh, a better life and, and to be together in communities and to respect and learn from each other. And this is such a complex uh, 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 situation. We, you know, we've talked about this. It's been going yeah. on for years and years. So let's make sure that we're we're coming together as a country. And our politicians have a key role in that. In that, yes, they need to speak. They need to be conscious of what they're saying. Um, I, I was I was I was reading the Star uh, yesterday, and one of our local MPs were saying how you know scared she is because she's been harassed. You know, that's not acceptable. That is not acceptable in our country. Nobody it doesn't matter yeah. if it's a child in a school, if it's somebody in their workplace, if it is an MP. Uh, we need to denounce all forms of Islamophobia and anti-Semitism. Mohammed, let, let me let me ask you because I think Anna hit on something, and I always always think about it. You brought up kids, and you're so right to do so. They're our future, and I think about this even at the high school level. I've heard two graphic examples from parents: one a Muslim family, one a Jewish family, and their kids, both boys, have gone to school earlier this week or late last week and it's all they've almost been ganged up on the jewish kids been ganged up on the muslim kids been ganged up on it's no good it's absolutely they didn't ask for any of this and we need to protect those kids and let them go to school safely well it's more than that Uh, words matter i'll never forget i was one time attending an event and the prime minister said words matter i'm here to say silence matter too and it's encouraging this division between our community in Canada. And yes, Anna, we came here for all the reasons that you said, but we came here as well to express our opinion freely and not to be intimidated to speak just because maybe our conversation it does not make everybody comfortable. So yeah, our words matter even on this radio show. To everyone out there that is my friend, I love you. I love you regardless where you come from. That's what I learned in Canada. That's the Canada that gave me the biggest opportunity in my life. Mm. And for every politician that is silenced, speak up, denounce and condemn everything happening, killing any civilian. A, a black refugee, an African refugee, is exactly equal to a Ukrainian refugee. 
an Israeli child, a Ukrainian child, and a Palestinian child are all the children. And we have to say that clearly in Canada. And when we say that, everybody and the blood will calm down and will feel that our politicians represent everyone. And then we need to break bread together and open the conversation and to talking to each other. This country deserves that we protect it and we give it to our children. If it's not better the way I arrived here, at least similar. And when I arrived here, people from all backgrounds smiled to me, made me feel welcome. To every politician out there, your silence matters. And fair statements are needed immediately now. And even business leaders, you and me, Anna, and as well yourself, all of us are responsible yeah. to make sure everyone feels welcome to speak and to share their problem. And why are we dealing with it Muslims separately, Christians separately, and Jews separately? Why don't we deal with our issue? All of us as Canadians. These are fair comments. Those are uh, those are the comments from Mohammed Faki. He's with Anna Bailao this morning. This is Think Tank on 640 Toronto. All right. Last heavy topic. I promise. I promise. We'll talk about garbage and raccoons and a bunch of stuff in, in 10 minutes. I promise. But um, but made's uh, a really important conversation. Assisted dying's a really sensitive subject. I want you both to hear Ed Fast. He put a bill together yesterday that was rejected. But to further study who we give end of life services to, here's Ed Fast, conservative MP. It is deeply concerning that this government appears to be inexorably moving from a culture of life to a culture of death. So my bill seeks to arrest that momentum and give the government and all Canadians time to reconsider the direction the government appears to be taking us when it comes to assisted suicide and euthanasia. Okay, let's start with you, Anna. Um, it's we have to give uh, access to end of life services uh, to people. I think that there's an element of humanity to it. Um, but the concept was originally we would give these to terminally ill people to end their misery at the request of their families and themselves as well if they signed something prior to. But we're we seem a lot more liberal, pardon the word, with it than many other democracies are. The concept was many other countries have very strict standards. They say if you're destined to die naturally within six months, that's what we use it for. But you and I know we're seeing people apply who have economic troubles and physical limitations and, the, and they're just not being able to make ends meet. It's it's a incredibly complicated issue. But if we gave them the structure to solve those issues, they can live a productive life. How do you view this? I know it's a tough issue. But again, we're all going to come to the end of our life at some point and hope someone's looking out for us to allow us to have a say in it. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. It's a very complex issue. And, and I think it is important to have, uh, you know, death assistance to to accommodate the diverse needs of, of people. And that includes people with with mental health. I think we, we need to be careful when we're talking about economic situations that's a totally different situation mm -hmm. and that is why in this conversation it is so important to have the uh the, the research the really comprehensive research about some of of the issues around mental health and what we would consider and at what point of that health it would be uh, it would be included so to go and do laws um jumping into it with a blanket uh mental health uh, provision. I think we need to be careful. I think we need to make sure that we have the appropriate research, the adequate co consultation, including people living with mental health uh, situation. And uh, I don't think we have heard uh, enough of that. Um, so I, I really 
caution politicians uh, with the law just to make sure that, yes, we're not just facilitating, but this is actually uh, a last resort, but it is an option available to people. Mohammed, it is concerning when I hear that there's potential for lethal injection to what's described as mature minors. I don't like the sounds of that. I don't think we should extend this out right now before more research is done to Canadians who are suffering from a severe mental illness. This is meant to me to be people, as I said, who are going to die of natural causes, but painful causes in the next six months. How do you view this program? Well, I mean, it's a very, very difficult conversation, but I'm glad we we are able to talk about it. But outside the health part of it, I don't think uh, for economical reason or any other reason we should be allowing something like this. As a society, we should do better. And especially the minor, I can't even get to wrap my head around it yet. I mean, I'm a very positive guy. I smile while I'm sleeping as well. But I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think we should be able to find a way as a society. And poverty and food insecurity, you know where I stand. I mean, instead of uh, supporting uh, buying or, or gifting uh, bullets, uh, to people, let's feed our people. Let's make sure that there, no one sleeps without a proper meal. And you know my food program that I've done for the last 20 years. So it takes political will to resolve those economical issues, and it takes money. And we need to apply more of both for that part. On the part of uh, for the health part, uh, I I just think it has to be very carefully crafted. Who up like who uh, could do it, could use it, and who could not? I haven't wrapped my head around it. I, I think there is always hope uh, in life, and I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I have the heart to even weigh in. And I, don't, I know what I don't know in, in life, and I'm not very familiar of deciding that I can give somebody the option to end their life. I don't know even if, I, if my heart accepts it yet. I know. I know. It's a tough conversation. All right, let's move to this one. This video has been everywhere. I want to give people a sense of it. Uh, Anna Bailao certainly, and maybe even for me, has been like, wow, does this interviewer not know his stuff? Uh, we'll leave that alone for right now. But here's Pierre Polyever with an interview subject, and it didn't go great. Everybody's seen it across the planet. Here it is. Certainly you tap a uh, very strong ideological language quite frequently. Like what? Uh, left wing, you know, this and that, right wing, you know, I mean, it's that, that type of ideological thing. I never really talk about left but or right. Anyways, a lot I of don't pe- really believe in that. Okay. A lot of people would, would say that you're simply taking a page out of the Donald Trump uh, well, book. Like which people would say that? Well, I'm sure a great many Canadians, but... Like who? <laughs> I don't know who, but... Well, you're um, the one who asked the question, so yeah. I, you must know somebody. <laughs> okay. Oh, my. Anna Bailao, you've been on the other side of the microphone. Oh both, si- both sides of the microphone. I've never seen anything <laughs> quite like it. And I bet you have never crunched an apple so loudly during an interview as well. I don't know if that's the key or not. I don't know. I don't know what uh, Pierre Polyev was enjoying uh, the most, the apple or actually that conversation and grilling that reporter, to be honest with you. <laughs> Um, listen, I, I, it, it is a reporter's job to ask tough questions. I, I've been on the other side of the tough yeah. questions. And you're, you know, you, you, you go into an interview uh, understanding that there's going to be some uh, tough conversations and tough questions going to be asked. But the reporter also needs to be ready for what's going to come up of uh, those questions and the follow-ups and to be challenged and to have the facts. <laughs> and clearly this reporter was not, uh, was not prepared for, for this interview. And, uh, and, and I, I think it came through. It was very clear. Mohammed, what were your thoughts? Or, or, or could you I, even tell what kind of apple that was? You know your food. Was that a Macintosh? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm suspicious about that. 
I I don't know. It was a really bad look, actually. And I won't eat an apple for a long time after him now. I'm absolutely free. That's me for now. I mean, you know, I think the journalist was ready, but when he saw the mouth of Pierre, he stopped. I mean, he forgot what he prepared, the poor guy. Listen, he was very dismissive and rude to the journalist for a very important question. And, the, yeah, the question were not delivered well, for sure. And on top of that, he was dishonest with his answer. He has said these things many, many times, and I think he actually intimidated the journalist. But he's a, well, he is asking for an example. You got to have a, yeah. if, if I say Anna Bylaw, people have said about you, and she says, "What people? I need an I need a name. I need an organization. I need I have to have something in in my pocket there, Muhammad. I do." Greg, what's What's amazing in here is that you know we've seen even on social media. I mean, he has said that. So many times it was it would be easy to come up with 100%. all kinds of yes. examples, right? He's used it so many times and so often. So that's what uh, is actually most most surprising is that the reporter can and, come up with examples. And leaders, yeah, leaders need to realize it's not about the journalist. You're a leader. You have to impress people mm-hmm. afterwards. Now we're listening to it how dismissive he was. Like you could be take that leadership, be positive, and help the journalist to get there if the journalist wasn't ready. That's what leadership is all about. It's not bullying someone because they didn't know the question and opening your mouth and chewing in such a rude, <laughs> disgusting way. I mean, that's not the way it should be. I'm not trying to find it. as I, I, I clearly, I've found it more humorous than you, but I get it. I get that that guy went home and probably just wanted to curl up into a ball, and, uh, and maybe he has. Maybe he's not reappeared since then. He's taken some... Uh, some personal time. Let's go to this one because we only got a couple minutes left. It is about the city's garbage bins. And Anna, this was not front and center during the election last fall or the mayoral by-election this year in which you were front and center. But we've constantly complained about the city of Toronto's litter bins. They're either overstuffed or they're broken down or they're easy to topple over. What, what can we do about this to begin with? Um, it, I, I actually disagree, Greg. I think this issue was right. Uh, front and center. And the, the reason why I say that is because this is one example of many where Torontonians feel like they were paying more and not getting the services and, and the quality of the services. And this was a perfect example of, uh, of a contract that was done back in 2007. And, uh, and, it, and it's clearly uh, not uh, delivering what Torontonians are paying for. And uh, it, it's time to, to review it, to bring it mm. to the table, to uh, have accountability on these contracts, to have uh, uh, the, the contractors that to deliver services to the city um, come to the table. And, uh, and, we, and the city needs to ensure that they're delivering these services. It's unacceptable. I, I mean, two years to fix a, a, a garbage can. And uh, you, you see this all over the city. They're broken all over the city. This is not working. And, and the contractor needs to uh, to be accountable for the services that they were to provide. Mohammed, how would you weigh in on it? Well, garbage can should not be this complicated. <laughs> you know, they're a mess, they're disgusting, they fall apart, and they hardly take the garbage cleanly. So it looks awful, and something needs to be done immediately about it. And it shouldn't be that complicated. Yeah. How, by the way, let's get let's get personal now. Mohammed, what's the state of your garbage bins when you put out your garbage and recycling in the morning? You, and you got to wait. You got you got a raccoon problem in the area. Squirrels like what? Like, do you got to put it out right before the truck comes? No, no. Uh, Sometimes we found some raccoon problems, but 
in Nogwil is uh, pretty easy. You put it at night, and the second morning they uh, take it. And but when I uh, walk around downtown Toronto early morning, I wake up every day at 4:30 a.m. And sometimes I go for a walk to downtown Toronto before a meeting. I see how the garbage piling up in the street, right close to the streets where people are walking. I think it looks really bad. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Anna, what about you? What's the state of your garbage bins? Are you are you are you a satisfied customer? Uh I am. I'm a satisfied satisfied customer. Um, you know, they I think the city does a pretty good job of uh coming and uh and collecting and uh keeping the garbage uh um collected. Um but going back to the the uh the, the contract that mm-hmm. has two years left, um I think there's a lot of questions. Uh, that need to be raised. The accountability question is definitely one. Uh, the services that have been uh, uh, provided to the city, but also the fact, is it only, is it because there's only two years left that we're seeing this decrease in service? Uh, what is happening? And that's why I think it is imperative uh, that the city calls on this contractor uh, and and has an improvement in, in services right away. Yeah, we need something that's impactful. Uh, and as you said, it, it, no question it was a, a major election issue and uh, people were, were out there. There were other issues, but this was one that people said there's it's, two years left. in services, right? Yeah, it's yeah, absolutely. Level. Absolutely. Level. And this is one of uh, many that, you know, you we, we talked about snow clearing, which we talked about street cleaning, and we talked yeah. about the garbage cans being broken. And, and this is also a symptom of the financial situation of of the city as well, right? In, in, and how do you solve that? Yes, you need to make sure that uh, that you have value for money, and value for money includes contractors and making sure that yeah. uh, when you sign a contract, they deliver on what they're supposed to. Hey, some really heavy stuff. Thank you very much, and 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 some stuff uh, as well that uh, has some has some political relevance. Anna Muhammad, thank you so much. You guys are a great team. I appreciate you being on this morning. Thank, thank you very you. much. There's Mohamed Faki, founder of Paramount Fine Foods and a bylaw for me, deputy mayor of the city of Toronto.